Yeah. I don't know why I'm taking this off. Oh, the Pritzker for Khan? Yeah, yeah. what does it mean? Uh, well, I, there's there's just this kind of satirical movement. It, like on Twitter, some people on Twitter are like, okay. oh, it's going to like, we want Pritzker to take over the Midwest. And, like, I do want that. Yeah, right? right? So that's uh, what the, I was yeah, sure, yeah. like, I was like, do you hate him because he's going to ravage civilization? No, 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 no. no. Like Genghis? Exact or opposite. It's, it's very positive, yeah. I want him to yeah. rule the world. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Well, welcome everybody. It's Draft Politics. It's episode 91. It's summertime in the city in April. And it's EJ. And with me today, yes. as always, it's Steve. Yeah. So uh, we're having this one week of like wonderful weather. We're supposed to get back to like the 50s and rainy and, you know, it's our usual sort of spring weather for this time of year. But oh, uh, kind of like uh, laws in most Republican states. There you go. <coughs> Going back to where we don't want it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. So we're out here and enjoying the weather. Uh, we'll get into the beer more uh, a little later on, but uh, happy yes, to be at Half Acre and enjoying a, a nice summery day. Yeah, absolutely. This is one of those things that, like, pandemic was bad. No doubt about that. But were there some small silver linings? Yes. And one of those is breweries were like, if we have a parking lot, we have a patio. And so, you know, they spent money and thought on making more outdoor spaces and were taking advantage of it here today and i appreciate it all right so so i think given the name of our podcast we should probably talk about some politics we should we should we should so the first thing i I really wanted to talk about was you know these trends of older folks trying to do what the the cooler kids are doing so they like they like go on you know onto twitter they're like oh what should i be doing if i want to be hip and trendy they would love fellow kids well, maybe not. <laughs> maybe they're on Spoutable <laughs> or uh, Substack Notes. Post. <laughs> post. No, nobody's on Post. So I knew nobody's going to be on Post because I liked it. <laughs> yeah, and, and so maybe this should be a section, Hello, Fellow Kids. Yes. And this, this week, it's Diane Feinstein, a senator from California who's approximately 400 years old, and she is trying out the practice of quiet quitting, just like those Gen Zers. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Yeah. uh, So she has not been active in the Senate for uh, some time now. uh, And it's it's quite clear that she has dementia uh, to a significant degree. Many people have been calling for her to step down entirely. Um, Really, it became a problem this, uh, you know, the last few weeks because she's on the Judiciary Committee. She's been out because of. Uh, see a medical condition. A medical condition. Oh, I know the term too. Ah. Shingles. Shingles. Yes. Pretty sure that's what it is. Let me double check. I thought she was actually fixing her home. I, I heard the shingles. I thought she was actually up there. Yes, the yes, yes. That's what it she was. was. She Jimmy was Jimmy Cartering. She this was thing. merely fixing her house. Yes. Just imagine her at ninety eight thousand years old, up on her roof, pounding in nails. Old school. I, like, again, she's Jimmy Cartering the thing. So, yeah. uh, so you have, I, but she's pulled away from the Judiciary Committee. So she says, yes. 
did she say? Did hey, she say? Yeah, it said, hey, this Mitch is, McConnell. This is part of the problem yes, I have with this. Is like, she, as far as I understand, she isn't saying anything. It's it's her people. And I'm a little uncomfortable with the fact that basically the, that Senate seat is being operated by the people who work for her rather than her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've never been a huge fan of her, yeah. so, I mean, there's that. But I, it, I have it a is problem with it from a democracy standpoint, yeah. but not from a like competency standpoint. I didn't vote standpoint. for her chief of staff. Right. Well, I didn't vote Fairness, for her. I didn't vote for her either. All right, well, fine. Yeah. It's a very Illinois thing for us to assume that we all voted in every state. Right. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> Twice. Right. At least. Minimum. Minimum. Uh, so... I would like her to uh, quit a little more loudly. Uh, so it would be nice if she just kind of stepped away. Yes, of course, exactly. that will be a crazy scene with, you know, six people have already declared for that seat. Yeah. Um, and there are some real uh, rock stars there. Yeah. Katie Porter and also some other people. Anyhow. Katie Porter and some other people. Uh, so there's, there's Feinstein. Um, and remember, it's been extra hard because, you know, we've also been down one Pennsylvanian for most of yes. the last uh, yes. couple months, although he's now back. Uh, Biden was in Northern Ireland to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the uh, the, the Good Friday Accords. Uh, but I just wanted to mention that because he walked out of a plane without falling down. Has that been a regular problem recently? It has. Yeah, okay. continues to be a problem. We're gonna we're gonna need to get the twisty slide off of Air Force One. <laughs> Is he gonna be played by Chevy Chase? <laughs> I mean, that would be that would be appropriate. Um, we've got a whole section here on the fight against wokeism, and this is not really funny, and I don't really <laughs> want to go into detail. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> because it's so bad. Um, and we wouldn't have the time to go into detail, to be quite honest. Yeah. So in, in every red, reddish state, uh, really any state that has... Uh, a Republican-controlled legislature, especially the ones with supermajorities, and there are many, there are these flurry of bills that are being passed, certainly without anybody writing them or reading them, yeah. uh, about you know anything that people on the right declare as woke. So it could be books about woke topics like Anne Frank, or you know the Holocaust is now woke. Yeah, and, um, and and basically all of this reflects that a lot of these places have super majorities that have been installed because of extensive gerrymandering, um, and so that's given them this power position to basically do whatever the hell they want without any real risk of any right. retribution for it. Right. As long as they're doing what their voters and their voters are heavy Fox News viewers, then you know they can get away with it. Yeah, and they believe that all of these are winning issues. Um, you know, banning and amongst books, their voters, probably it is. It's just f***ing horrible. It, it is. It is f***ing horrible. And you know, when we look at those those laws, you know, banning performances of, say, people wearing makeup. I mean, that was actually written into one of the bills. Yeah. Um, certainly, all of the the things denying care to trans folks across the country. It's it is cruel for the point of being cruel yeah. um, without any consideration for what's true or what's right. Um, they're just doing it completely out of a cynical grab for power and being able to say that they've done it. And, and you see the hypocrisy in you know, people like Sarah Suckabee Sanders, 
right, who, you know, declared socialism to be dead in Arkansas because she's passing all of these laws and then the next week goes begging for mon- money from the federal government because of the storms. <laughs> right. Um, now, uh, look, the federal government should help. That's its job. That's right. But you just see that just sheer hypocrisy. This, by the way, from a person who, this is not, this is not an exaggeration, in an application for an appointed position that's there in Arkansas, they asked for a 100 or 200-word essay about why you think Sarah Huckabee Sanders is great. All of the other long-form answers were half as long about your qualifications or what you do, but why she's great. I have found no better application of ChatGPT in my life. Like, that feels like, well, I could just spend five seconds on that. Get that government job. Yeah, get get that government paper. Um, so it's, 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 it's terrible now. Um, and I think, you know, part of it speaks to the gerrymandering, as you said. Um, and again, we're in Illinois, so it's hard for us to, uh, you know, say that without, you know, without mentioning our own Democratic supermajority. Uh, but it is it is a problem. Um, and it is just this continuation well, of here's the thing. If, no if, if we were as a nation going to say we're getting rid of gerrymandering, I am the first one to sign up for that because yeah, me too. I, I, you know, gerrymandering is fundamentally undemocratic. And, you know, maybe that benefits, you know, my interests here in some level. But the reality is, is if we had a better balanced, more democratic system, then people would have more interest in, in their the electoral process. Like, yep. it overall is a better way to go. Um, and also you'd have less fascism going on in these red states. You mean like in Tennessee? Oh, yes. <laughs> where we had three state reps. So, look, there was another mass... Well, actually, there have been two mass shootings um, that were that made national news. There have been at least four, you know, as, you know, sort of defined mass shootings, but two that were, were highly Yeah, I publicized. had that moment of, like, weren't we just... Like, it was like so seeing reporting about Louisville, and I'm like, wait, isn't it national? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, this is another one. Okay, yeah. got it. Yeah, yeah. And so... The there were there were protests at the Tennessee legislature as there should have been right people out there saying you know you people we've elected need to be doing something about gun violence yeah and the the legislature itself Republican supermajority and the the Speaker of the House refused to have any discussion any commentary about it and so these representatives during the discussion for a different bill. We're trying to change the subject. And um, while these huge protests were going out right on the other side of the door, right outside of the chamber. Yeah. And so eventually they just decided, because they kept being shut down, that they were going to echo the protests outside. They were going to give voice to the people who were there. And they did so with a bullhorn. <laughs> and they were leading some chants. Um, and then they were sort of charged, and I use air quotes for that because it's not a criminal charge, but as, with a breach of decorum Yes. in the state legislature. Yes. Breach of decorum. Uh, How w- rude. Mm-hmm. And, and if you look at the breach of decorum, you know, s- part of the, the rules there in the, the Tennessee House, not that I have, but I read some reporting on it, <laughs> it recommends censure. Um, but instead, the Speaker of the House said, no, we're going to kick you out. We're going we're gonna right. to take away the Why? voices. Why? Because they can. Yeah, because they can. Um, so there was a vote. 
There were three of them uh, that were uh, sort of up for removal. Gloria Johnson, uh, Justin Pearson, and Justin Jones. Yeah. Um, Justin and Justin were both removed. Gloria made it through by a single vote. Oh, well, that's interesting. So, so let me see if I got this right. The one white person, totally fine. I mean, obviously, they mostly voted her out, but didn't yeah. quite make the threshold. The black guys, eh, maybe not so much. Maybe yeah. not so much. Yeah. Huh. Huh. Weird. Now, the other part of this is just like in Illinois, and I think many other places, when there is a a, a, a vacancy, the rules that kind of dictate how that vacancy is going to be filled is often by some kind of appointment and usually by a local political committee. In this case, both uh, Justin Pearson and Justin Jones were reappointed to their seats yeah. within a week. And, you know, and obviously with the gerrymandering in place, that means that they're in heavily Democratic districts. So yeah. it's not like they're really at risk of you know, not making it back, you know, and, and, right. you know, and, and they obviously are already back. Though here, there, was, there was reporting that the Speaker of the House and some others said, well, if you reappoint these guys, we're going to just start pulling funding from your districts. Yeah. So that's healthy. Because they can. Because they can. Because they, ha- they can. Yeah. So <laughs> in the because they can segment. Maybe that should actually yeah, be a segment. So, yeah, right. Uh, so Florida has uh, passed a six-week abortion ban uh, in the legislature. It hasn't been signed into law yet, but there's no reason to think that it won't be because uh, DeSantis. Right. Well, um, and he's up campaigning in Ohio instead of hanging out in Fort Lauderdale where they've gotten 22 inches of rain. Right. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, <laughs> That's about right. Why is it, well, he doesn't want to get wet. I totally get that. Um, he's got those great boots. There you go. Um, you know, and it's worth remembering that six-week abortion ban is effectively an abortion ban. There's, it's, I don't even, like, honestly, I don't even know why they bother with it. Because, like, practically speaking, any woman who, you know, is, you know, discovers that they're pregnant, by the time they do, they're out of luck there. And so, uh, I don't, you know, it's like, if you've got the power to be assholes, why not just go all the way mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of pretending? Yeah, and, and we haven't even talked really about... You know, all of the other things around the, the abortion topic right now with the federal judge in Texas saying, ah, I'm just going to ban. I, I'm, I'm going to force the FDA to uh, uncertify uh, nephopristone. Nephopristone. Yeah. And so, yeah. So that would effectively. Well, so medical. So that would there's still another medication that yeah. is. A part of so normally with this they it's a two pill system in the U.S. in the U.S. Um, and the mifepristone helps the makes it makes it a less uncomfortable process. But you can still get a medical abortion without that. But it's you know it, once again it's just for the cruelty, just for being a shitty person, yeah. and it's alarming because this judge basically you know anybody can shop for any topic. Get it past his judge, and he'll rule however he, he wants to rule. Oh, so, yeah. if you're got any sort of right wing bug up your ass, uh, he's your guy. Head to Texas, you know. In spite of the fact that it will completely screw up, you know, our whole uh, legal system. Yeah, and, and so immediately, uh, I think within two hours, a federal judge in Washington said, "No, no, no, FDA, you have to keep right. it approved." But now it's we got to wait for the, see what the Supreme Court's going to do. Yeah, and so yeah, there have been some appeals and. 
And right now they're trying to work through some kind of weird middle ground. It's, well, it's very messy. And the other thing to keep in mind here is that these medications are made by large corporations who aren't necessarily big on legal risks. And so how much are they willing to kind of go to the mat for this? Or are they going to, you know, the slightest sense that this is going to be complicated, just like Walgreens decide that they're just not going to do that anymore. Just bail out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, I still need to move my prescriptions out of Walgreens. I'll work on that. Well, there's no Walmart in Chicago anymore, so you can't go there. That's true. Yay. Yay. <laughs> yay. Yay. Um, well, and, and speaking of judges, and man, our segues have been beautiful. They've it must been the be best the segues. summer weather. Must be the summer weather. We're back in the summer weather segue groove. It's been fantastic. Uh, judges for sale. So when you're thinking about shopping for a judge, maybe Clarence Thomas is on your list. Why not? And why not? Evidently, he only costs summer trips to far-off, far-flung boys' clubs and private yachts to the tune, what was it, $20 million over the years or something like that? I mean, it's a little rich for my blood, but, you know, maybe I can talk him into a, you know, I could I could do a, a lake cruise in Chicago if I get a... If I can get a good judicial ruling, I'm uh, I'm, yeah. willing to, I'm willing to make that investment. We get maybe the architecture the, tour. T- the windy, we'll go take them out for yeah. a sail. I think the architecture get, get tour would be better. I think it would enjoy that. Be he'd, fine. Get, he'd get river and lake. All right, yeah. Yeah, why not? This episode brought to you by the architecture tour. <laughs> Don't want to go to Navy, t- Navy Pier? Take the architecture tour. Yes. It has fewer kids and no Bubba Gum Shrimp. That's right. Architecture That's tour right. on the river today. So the, the person who has been funding these trips is, I'm not even going to mention his name. I, I don't want him to have any notoriety. But he is this mega donor who evidently in his spare time, because he thinks it's neat, collects Nazi memorabilia. Oh, oh, yeah. See, that's a misunderstanding. See, he's he just doesn't like the Nazis, and so he wants to collect memorabilia to remember that they're terrible. Right. Keep it out of the hands of the real Nazis. Evidently. Although, to be fair, I did get that one like Trump like meets with Kim Jong Un. You did. You coin. did buy that sweet coin. So, but I only got one, and I kind of <laughs> hide it in a desk and feel a little bad about it, even though it's kind of hilarious. And, so, but but then the two people listening to this will know. They all know. <laughs> they, they'll and know. I will be shamed, and now yeah. and then we'll lose one listener. Yeah, exactly. Who's just mad they don't have their own? That's but, right. But the whole thing around this is so ridiculous because when they asked him about it, he's like, "I asked some people, and they said I didn't need to report it." Well, and here's the thing that's a little funny about all of it is that you kind of don't. He was reporting it, and then the L.A. Times did an investigation and reported on all of this shit he was doing, and so then he just stopped Stopped. reporting it. Problem solved. (laughs) And thank you, thank you, ProPublica, for continuing to dig up shit like this. Because ProPublica is, like, you should read their stuff. Um, They do a lot of, they're like the one really good independent investigative uh, news reporting. Yeah, they're great. These days. They're great. Um, So, if you can, support them, because they do cool shit like this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 100% um, agree. So, yeah. So, uh, f*** that guy. 
Absolutely. And, and you may think, which guy? <laughs> them both. <laughs> exactly. And, and maybe that guy's brother-in-law who is currently about to be indicted for human trafficking. That sounds right. Yeah. So, so uh, there's that. And so while segues. I want to keep our that guy segment going, uh, I need a beer first. So <laughs> we're going to do that, and then we'll come back. But it'll we'll be a good about, segue, I yes, promise. If, yes, it'll just take a little longer. Here's the beer can opening. While I was busy working as an election judge, apparently there was this thing where Trump got indicted. Right, yeah. When, when we last met, we knew the indictments were coming. Um, we had some idea what was happening, but... Yes. In fact, if you listen to our podcast, it was like two days late, so it was all kind of out of whack timing-wise, mm-hmm. but very entertaining nonetheless. <laughs> yes, hugely entertaining, just out of time. Um, but now... It's happened. The indictment has happened. The arraignment has happened. Um, and this was our segue by from that f***ing guy to this f***ing guy. Right. Um, <laughs> arraigned there in the Superior Court of New York. I mean, this has got to end up being a law and order, right? Like, Dun-dun, it's, yeah, whatever, absolutely. Yeah. If you can get that sound in there, that would be amazing. Um, they had... Protests, as you might imagine, right, turned into a circus. You had lots of people there who were, you know, essentially saying, good, glad this is happening. And and people there in support of the former guy, including your two favorite congressmen, Marjorie Taylor Greene and George, heading to Mars next week, Santos. That's right. Like, could you imagine George Santos, like... You know what? This is a good use of my time. I need... <laughs> that guy just well, does not know how to... It's fascinating how the they radar. just kind of like, they flock together. Like, like. oh no, this guy's a, a pathological liar. I'm going to hang out with him. Like, who who does who does that? Well, Marjorie Taylor Greene, of course. Yeah. Um, I still find, like... I hate that, like... I hate, I hate using her whole name. Mm. I prefer just because I, 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 I feel like I'm like because I think like uh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and Ruth Bader Ginsburg like it's like it's just like it That's just right. kind of like Butchers Butchers Golly right yeah. Butchers Butchers Golly if you just did Butchers Golly it's not quite the same the, yeah the, you need I, the double Butchers <laughs> right to the Butchers I you're right we will refrain from that in the future yeah, I, I know it's, it's a fine. triggering thing do? for you I mean. Ah, uh, Phil yeah. Michael Thomas, right? Like so, all of the great three-name people. <laughs> right. Uh, so, yes, those 34 felony counts, um, you know, there was a lot of speculation beforehand, like, you know, how much of it is a felony, how much of it is a misdemeanor? You know, is this really rising to the level that it, it should be uh, filed? Yes. Yes, it should. Yeah. If you look through the indictments, you're finding all kinds of stuff that basically that lay out the case that they're going to make, which is that he was yeah. intentionally trying to interfere with the election, which is what raises it to a felony because then you're violating campaign finance rules, you're et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, it, it, and it is really interesting. You know, there are probably some very interesting legal theories uh, that people who are a lawyers and b smarter than I am uh, would tell you about in a podcast of theirs, uh, but uh, it, it's not, I guess cut and dry all the way around but you love to see it nonetheless well and the thing of it is is like is it a case worth prosecuting absolutely is it a case that they will win 
Trump will have Trump will probably pay the lawyers who show up at court that day. So we'll see what happens. Well, yeah, because uh, they because they will demand he pay up front. Yeah, <laughs> if they <laughs> they know anything. I mean, if I were there, I would have had a big sign that says Alina Haba and uh, the other guy. Be sure you get paid up front. Well, Don't you know, take Target gift cards. Here's what I'm I'm wondering about: Does Trump have like? different tiers of attorneys he uses for different purposes. Like, he has, like, a couple people on retainer that are just, like, kind of morons that he just, like, hey, can you go to light of the FBI for me? Cool. Um, well, that's then the there, other case. Yeah, and then there are other ones where it's like, okay, well, this is actually the person you want actually making your case in court because they know what they're doing because they're used to working with the mafia. Well, and this is a thing that I've heard, right, because... You know, over the years, there have been a, a litany, just a, a, a an all-star cavalcade of attorneys uh, that, that have represented Donald Trump. But that seems to have settled down a little bit since the election, right? And, and yeah. maybe that's because nobody will represent him well, I mean, except, you know, these three or four attorneys. And, and you hear some good things about them. You're like, oh, that guy is supposed to be a pretty good attorney, pretty good trial attorney. But then, you know... Alina Haba, who seems to be just really bad. I mean, and this goes to the documents case where, you know, she signed a subpoena or an affidavit in one case saying that she fully searched a location in Mar-a-Lago that was found to have classified documents, but she doesn't have a classification rating. And so she either lied about searching or admitted to committing a crime Right. And either one of those is bad, right? Like, Yeah, so this would be more of that, that second tier of, yeah. of lawyers. Yeah, like, like I, don't, I don't understand. Um, and this is why I'm not an attorney, um, right. I guess. Right. I'm not, I'm not an attorney. Are you an attorney? Um, um, I will say, you know, for the, for the money that Trump was paying him. Yeah. Hey, you get what I, you pay for. Yeah. I mean, look at Rudy Giuliani, man. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> The the one thing we heard from, you know, that the, the brief thing was that the judge said, hey, stay off of social media, Donald Trump, because the, the prosecutor's office essentially asked him to stop talking about the case altogether. And the judge is like, no, no, no. First Amendment rights. He should be able to talk about it. But don't say anything that's going to incite someone or, you know, maybe it's incorrect <laughs> or maybe not post memes of you holding a baseball bat to the prosecutor's head. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not do that. Maybe that's not a thing. Yeah. I, and like, I mean, to be fair, if he posted on True Social, did he really post it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although apparently Sorry. Matt Taibbi's posting there now, so that's how far that guy's fallen. Which is funny because he just quit the Twitters. Yes. This is Ma- Matt Taibbi, yes, that's, who yeah. first author of the of Twitter Files V1 has now gone to Substack Notes because of the debate with... Anyway. I don't want to talk about that's a whole other thing. Any of those um, guys? I don't want to talk about any of those care. guys. And the other thing that's happened is that Jim fucking Jordan is like, okay, man, we're gonna we're gonna go to New York and we're gonna hold the hearings in New York and we're gonna subpoena um, uh, Mark Pomerantz, who was a, a former prosecutor under the old uh, District Attorney Cy Vance. Uh, he's one of the, the people that left after Alvin Bragg was elected, and then he wrote a book about how he thought the case should be prosecuted, et cetera, et cetera. Like, d- wait, what? States' rights. 
How about states' rights now there, Jim Jordan? Um, Alvin Bragg has sued Jim Jordan and actually Mark Pomerantz as well, trying to uh, quash the, the congressional subpoena and essentially tell Jim Jordan to stay the hell out of New York. Well, and at what so point does that become obstruction? It, well, and I mean, I think that's really the question, right? Like in the, the legal filing from Alvin Bragg here essentially laid out how Jim Jordan and crew are coordinating with the defense. Yeah. And so it's totally inappropriate in yeah. all of the ways, in all of the ways. Yep. But they only care about the politics of yeah. it. And, hey, being the defender of Trump is all good for Jim Jordan. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's a big fan of, of covering up and defending rapists. So, yeah. Classy guy. Classy, uh, classy guy. To do a little callback, f- that guy. Yeah, exactly. Let's see, we're. I think I know the title of, our, of this episode. All exactly. Of a <laughs> Good segues. Uh, callbacks. Uh, yeah, so a uh, little last fun bit about uh, Trump here. Uh, he had a, his first interview post his indictments because uh, he had many of them uh, with Tucker Carlson because, of course, he did. And uh, my favorite bit of it was Trump talking about nuclear warming being our biggest problem. Not, not, not global warming, not climate change, nuclear warming. Well, in fairness to them, to him, yes. you know, that kind of warming would be very bad. Well, if it were weapons based. Yes, yes. Weapons based nuclear warming would be bad. Yeah, yes. And and you know, it tends to happen quickly. So it's yeah. not like, you know, like it's not so much a warming as it's just a, a burning more like. <laughs> That's it's true. it's That's true. Yeah. More of but, a searing. Yes. <laughs> more of a searing. You know, put it in the sous vide for a little bit, throw a little hydrogen bomb at it, <laughs> just get a good sear. <laughs> exactly. Gotta put a little mayo on it. That yeah. really gets the crust good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These are more of my t- cooking tips on <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> cooking with nuclear yeah. draft politics. <laughs> Anyhow. Yeah, that was a that was a really really strange interview. But that, you know, that's that's what we come to expect. I mean, everything he says now, first of all, he's he's his voice sounds weak. Like he like he's sounds a little raspier, a little you know, he's been just mainlining a little too much Sudafed. It's not not going well. A little too much McDonald's, you know. Uh, I get those hamburgers. And uh, and he's so rambly. Like he like and and I know he was rambly before, but I feel like every passing year, he's just a little bit more like in his own head, wandering yeah. between these weird topics. Yeah. And, and well, did you see when he did the Hannity interview? And Hannity tosses him a softball for him to say, no, I, I would never do that crime. And he proceeded to ramble for 10 minutes about how he absolutely did that crime and how it was, he should do that crime. And he was allowed to do it. And he was right. trying to get he was doing that crime to get paid for it. And Hannity is just like, uh, uh, no, no, don't 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 say the crime part. Don't don't yeah. crime. Yeah. Oh, well, that's tough. And, and look, we didn't even talk about the Fox News defamation case with, with Dominion. I think it's a, it's a thing. Um, there are going to be some, some big developments here in the next week or so. Jury selection probably starting. Yeah. Um, I, I had this conversation with uh, one of the people I was talking with uh, who was an election judge that, you know, we were working the election uh, on that Tuesday. And uh, 
and had this had very similar reaction to me when they saw that it was a Dominion, a Dominion voting machine. Like, there's like this like it's been talked about so much. It's like Dominion vote. Like, oh, oh, like, but it's it's fine. Everything's fine it's with fine. it. It's all like, right wing propaganda. Like, but like their case feels so concrete to me because like I'm. I should be their biggest fan if it's all working against the right wing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and yet right. I'm still like, oh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I could well, Let me get on Google on this Dominion voting machine and see what it says about it. Right. I go on to chat. GPT is I'm on a Dominion voting machine. Right. Yeah, the browser in it was a little out of date, but it was fine. It was yeah. fine. Yeah. It was fine. It was. It was <laughs> the br- sure, it was using Mosaic, but, but you know. Um, moving from the international to the national. Kind of, or national to the international, rather. Really interesting. Nothing like dogs in Chicago in the summerish time at a tap room. Um, so or tap patio. Is this a tap patio? I think that's what this is. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it! You're going to start a howl. <laughs> <laughs> so. So there were half uh, acre and full barks. Yeah. <laughs> There were. At least it's not a train. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Is this better or worse than Transportation Week when we podcasted between two trains? Like that. We're between two hounds. That's our. That's right. That's where we are right now. So, uh, about five weeks ago, a National Guardsman. Uh, took some pictures of classified documents, briefing documents, and posted them on Discord to a group of his friends to prove how connected he was and how much access he had to sensitive data. Uh, These were briefing documents for the Joint Chiefs of Staff and, and senior military officials about the war in Ukraine, capabilities of Ukraine and Russia, um, and they were pretty uh, eye-opening. Yeah, say, yeah, I'd say. Um, but I mean, I, just I, I think eye-opening to us. I think if you're Russia or Ukraine, it's probably not as eye-opening because you're there. But well, I think it would be eye-opening if you're Russia to see how much, <laughs> how pwned they are. Uh, well, I think that's just it. You know, I think both for Russia and Ukraine to see how much access to communication in intel the United States has to both of those countries. Yeah. And also Israel was in there and South Korea. Yes. Because they're all yes. you know in these equations. Um, and this was just a dude, you know, a 20-something dude trying to show how cool he was, right? Like, oh, look how cool I am. I can... Take pictures of these documents. My my impression of twenty something dudes trying to impress you of how cool they are on Discord, generally not cool. <laughs> no, not, That's not been my cool. personal experience of them, but you know. Yeah. Uh, so, and the weird thing was it was that it it sat there for a month before people started seeing it other places. Yeah. You know, on on Telegram and I don't know Twitter. Probably not spoutable. Probably not. Not Substack notes. Post, but nobody saw it. Yeah. <laughs> it was on somebody's post server, but Mastodon, but only the only one server, but not another <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah, exactly. IRC. 
Um, and I don't know. I looked at those things, and, and there were some really interesting things about the war effort and, and use of ammunition and, um, and concerns uh, uh, from folks and, and really you know, potentially damaging things to the Ukrainian war effort um, because it, it sort of highlighted uh, you know, essentially the estimated time when they were going to run out of certain types of ammunition. Yeah. Um, which, you know, if you're Russia, that's good to know when you can start flying pl- planes and helicopters again. Yeah. Um, but also just trust, man. Yikes. Yeah. So, uh, so the guy who leaked it, you know what I have to say to him? Uh, what's your handle? Is that what they call it? Is it a handle? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I was going to go with. It feels very I was going to go with that, that guy? guy. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I should have gone back up to the title of the episode. <laughs> I, nice work with your. Uh, do you have any bots on your, on, on your Discord <sighs> channels, sir? Anyhow. So that's our international segment. Which is uh, short. Let's talk beer. Yes. And then we're going to talk the election. I forgot. We've got beer. Uh, so we're having fire snakes. What, what is this? Um, so Half Acre, they have one that is called, what is it actually called? I'm rem- well, see, I'm, now in my now head, I'm not remembering it's it. just fire snake. It is their, is their lime lager. It's their lime lager. It, it's delicious. It's called and green. It has green dragon? Green. Green dragon. No. Definitely not. Know. This is, this is an awesome segment so far. <laughs> we're gonna have to. Um, I think we're gonna have to re-record this one. But anyhow, the picture on it has like snake and fire and whatever. So EJ calls it fire snake. I, and I, I mean, I should call the, it fire snake because it looks like yeah. a fire snake. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's called the green torch. Green torch. That's and right. You'll know it's the beer you want because you're gonna call it fire snake when you see it. It's actually quite quite nice. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a lager with lime in it, and it's. I've had lime lagers before that the lime was just overpowering, and it was just like too chemically tasting. Whereas yeah. this is actually really nicely done. Like it feels more like I squeezed a lime into my beer rather than yeah, it, I it squeezed a chemical vat into my beer. <laughs> but it reminds me of the Stone uh, Buena Vesa. Okay, which is. Also excellent, and I had a couple of weeks ago when I was in San Diego. Super, super tasty, super good. Um, but this is made locally. It's made here. Yeah, yeah. It's not made in San Diego. So, I, yeah, I that was my first my first beer. Super nice, super clean. That is going to be uh, plentiful at my house this summer. Uh, yeah, that the this fire is, feels snake. like a very good summer go to. Yeah, beer. yeah, good fire snake summer. Um, but you had one before that. What was yes, that? Yes, I had one before that. It was their Springbok, I believe it was. Uh, you know, is a Bach, had a nice maltiness to it. Um, very delicious. I don't know what the difference is between a Springbok and a Fallbok, but. Well, Springbok is. Also known on the as African a Savannah, Bach, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> not, not right. <laughs> and I've moved on to the Waybird, which is a, their kind of new hazy. Um, it's a lighter hazy uh, that they're doing all year. Uh, I think they just launched it a few months ago. All right. Um, I had it on launch weekend at Hopleaf, um, and it's nice. It's light. It's it's not uh, it's not gonna it's not gonna kick you in the in the teeth with with hops and bitterness. Um, again, a nice easy drinking thing. Um, I was I, so I was having a conversation. Uh, I had 
uh, dinner the other day with uh, Carl Rutherford of Twisted Hippo. Yes. Um, and we were talking about a lot of things. Um, and this is going to segue here in a second. You're going to love this segue. It's going to be the best segue. Everybody tells me. All the right. The best segues. Um, but we were talking about light summer beers, and I brought up, uh, I brought up that Buena Vesa, and he said that his the beer he's working on right now, it's it's uh, in the tanks. It'll be on the wall soon. Is a like a three percent hazy. Oh, he's interesting. Like, summer hazy. I'm like, I am looking for that. I'm super excited about this. So hopefully, I don't get in trouble. For uh, you know, for spilling the beans on that, but that three percent hazy is coming out from no. Twisted Hippo, available at District Brew Yards, but probably not in Norway, so it doesn't really help our audience. I, <laughs> you know, you say that, but one of my Norwegian friends, a guy named Tron, Tron Janssen, he does a beer review every Friday. Does he drive a light cycle? Uh, <laughs> I, they all do in Norway. Oh well, yeah, I, okay, it's yeah. just required. It's socialism. Um, what do you yeah, want? Exactly. <laughs> but he posts beer reviews. And a few weeks ago, he posted a beer from Hot Butcher for the World. Oh, yeah, yeah, Nice. So now he probably paid $40 for that beer. Um, but there it is. There <laughs> Good it is. on you, man. And my segue, <laughs> my segue is, you know, in that conversation with Carl, we were talking about some of the, the state law changes that they're trying to get pushed through, like direct-to-consumer, which would allow breweries, microbreweries specifically, to be able to sell right to you. So have things shipped to your door. Um, as a way to, to sort of help manage their inventory, because right now it all has to go through distributors. There's yeah. a three-tiered system. Um, and they're working and on that. distributors only have so much room, and it makes right. it hard and for them to Well, and they can just yeah. say, ah, we want these beers and not those beers. And, exactly. You know, what are you going to do? Um, so uh, that's my segue into the state section. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, Which is really just going to be the city section. Right. So because we had elections, yes, uh, we, we had, had elections. Uh, I was there. I counted the votes. I personally counted. No, I did not personally count the votes. I just had the machine do it. The machine said that Brandon won, and I was very happy about that. So that's nice. Was it like a little? Was it like a little cartoon of Hugo Chavez, and like the results came up in like a talk bubble? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. I had to translate sure. it from Spanish, but it was fine. <laughs> nice. Well, you could bounce it off a satellite to do that. It's right. all. It's right. all. It's all out good. of the servers in UK. I got it. Yeah. 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 yeah of course. I mean, I, look. We we talked the last time about you know going into the runoff election. Um, there were a number of elections we were looking at. Uh, we want to spend more time on the mayoral, but I did want to just pop back through those uh, the elections that I was really personally interested in in the individual wards. Um, Forty six was this really interesting one between Angela Clay and Kim Waltz. Um, Angela Clay, uh, backed by DSA, uh, sort of longtime resident of the ward. Um, Kim Waltz, uh, former staffer, uh, uh, congressional staffer, um, former uh, lobbyist, backed by a ton of money. Kim Waltz got a huge amount of money, um, had endorsements from J.D. J.B. Pritzker, uh, endorsements from Mike Quigley, um, so I'm happy she lost. <laughs> she got crushed. It was yeah. nine and a half points. Yeah. Nine and a half points. Really stunning. Well, Re you know, and I think it's aldermanic races are one where I don't think having a lot of money necessarily helps you all that much. You really need like ground game and like getting people to go volunteer and go door to door is going to make a much bigger difference. I, I, look, I will tell you, 
I did uh, probably eight total hours of door knocking in 46. Yeah. I talked to maybe 10 people. Yeah. Because 46 is, it's along the lake. So if you're not in Chicago, like 46 butts up against the lake. It's almost all multifamily homes or big high rises. You can't get into them. It's, it's just really difficult. It's really difficult there. So money but goes TV long ads way aren't going to help you. Uh, you, uh, you know, you could do a spot on Wayne's World. Um, but, but digital and mailing, yeah. you know, is traditionally the way to go there. But uh, congratulations to Angela Clay. Great job. Uh, 48, which is north of 46. Um, uh, Andersonville is kind of the, 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 key, the key neighborhood there. Um, that was uh, Joe Dunn, who was, and that was a huge, huge primary, seven people. Joe Dunn, who's a, a bit of a machine-ish guy, pretty moderate, kind of a standard, you'd think like standard white guy Chicago politician um, against Lanny uh, Mana Hoppenworth. Um, that came down, that was super, super close. Uh, but Laney won that, won that race as well. So that's yep, another yep. DSA candidate. Um, and Dunn conceded after four or five days, um, as mail-in vote was coming in. He was his, the gap yeah, was spreading saw, a little bit. He saw bit. the handwriting on the wall. Yeah. So congratulations to Lanny. I, uh, really great win. Great win for her. And then forty-five. Um, the incumbent. The incumbent. Who's under <sighs> FBI investigation? Yes. Who is? I mean, I mean, on the bright side, just the worst. Who who appoints him? Who appoints a successor after he gets indicted? And I, it depends on when it happens. Yeah. So if it's before the halfway point of his term, then there's a special election. If it's after, then the mayor appoints. Either one of the, well, I like it better if the mayor appoints in that district. I'm thinking, but we'll see. Yes, yes, you are. All right. Yeah. Well, you know, court cases take a while. We'll see what happens. So. Yeah, Garnier won that, uh, uh, which actually does good callback to our overriding theme. F- that that guy. guy. But the exciting news was in the mayoral. Yeah. Uh, so coming into the mayoral, we had our two guys. We had Brandon, uh, the teacher, Johnson, against Paul. Paul I hate house music, Vallis. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yay, school voucher, Vallis. Uh, but yes, I hate house music. He hates Vallis. a lot of things. That's, that's what I'm saying. He does. Um, the um, polls going into election day had Vallis up by between four and eight points. Yes. You know, and and this is the thing. I think part of it is trying to get a good polling sample size in Chicago is just hard. You it is you hard. you would probably be better able to speak to that than I. Um, but the big difference here was that the diff- in the First round of voting versus the second round of voting, there was a 30% increase in turnout amongst younger voters. It's and amazing. That's huge. And, yeah. and it kind of gets me to thinking, like, is is the general election, like, because the way it, it's phrased is we have a general election and then we have a runoff. But it feels more like the way it played out was we had a primary and then we had the election. Yeah, and that's the intent. Yeah. Right. And that was the the intent of the way this setup was set up with all these kind of nonpartisan elections. Right. Yeah. So. Um, but Brandon got 52, 52.1 percent of the votes. Yeah. That's look. I, it's not a it, it is yeah, it not, was not the mandate. Like a, it, was, it was 
I mean, you know, three or four points doesn't sound like that big of a difference, but it, it's a pretty big difference. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they were, you know, they were able to declare that evening. Like, you know, I was like, I, you know, got home from working as an election judge and following what's going on. And I think by like 930, we knew who was going to be the next mayor of Chicago. Yeah, I was following returns and I was like, uh, uh, my wife was out of town. Yeah. And I was like, so I had nobody to watch it with. The kids didn't want to watch it. And so I like called my neighbors. I was like, here, are you guys watching the returns? Can I come over? So like we were over there. I had my iPad. I had my computer. I'm refreshing different things. Yep. And I said, like, I got over there at like 745. And I was like, and I was watching returns come in. I was like, Brandon's going to win. They're like, no, he's, he's way behind. I was like, no, 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 he's going to win. Look at this. This is, they're screwed. And then they're like interviewing, and and God love WGN, gotta love them. But they're interviewing people at the Vallis, you know, rally, or you know, election night party, and they somehow dig up Gary Chico, who used to be the superintendent <laughs> of police, <laughs> who ran a, like last time he ran was against Rom. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, hey, Gary, how you doing? And Gary's like, well, you know. Uh, lots of vote yet to come in, and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, and I said to my the, the my neighbors, I was like, he knows they've already lost. This is not, this is, this is these are the talking points of somebody who's got more information than we do yeah. and knows that Vallis has already yeah. lost. And I was like, holy crap. Like, that, I, 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 was, I was shocked that it was not closer. You know, I thought it was going to be very, very close, and we weren't going to know for a couple yeah, days. Yeah, it was. And, and I, and I, so I think that kind of covers sort of the core facts of the case, but we, we want to kind of just talk about sort of our overall reactions to yeah. it, right? And so, like, one of the things I found myself thinking about, you know, immediately afterwards in the days that followed was just, like, how Chicago kind of gives me some optimism. Well, Chicago, and I will say Illinois in general, has been giving me some optimism about our politics in that, you know, because if you look at Chicago, like it's basically, it was a coalition of a, a younger, more diverse electorate has a fairly clear majority in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And so that's huge, you know? So, so how that plays out over time, it'll be interesting to see, but like, you know, I think like Lightfoot won on similar coalition and that didn't go well. Fine. Well, Lightfoot got seventy eight percent of the votes, or right? Something like that. Right, right. But I, I mean, mean, but even like the no runoff itself. It I mean, Prattwinkle and and Lightfoot were both kind of playing in that same right area. So like, yeah, it didn't go well with Lightfoot. Fine, we get another we get another bite at the apple. I think that's the phrasing. Yes, I don't know. I'm not much yeah. of a fruit person. Well, and we should talk um, about that. But like, but like, I feel like uh, you know we'll, we'll see we'll see how he does. But like. I'm willing to kind of keep, you know, if it doesn't work out with him, I'm willing to keep going back to the well of, like, this is a this is a formula of somebody who's, you know, connecting with younger voters, somebody who's connecting with unions, the, the unions I like instead of the unions I don't like. Um, you know, so we'll see. I'm, I'm optimistic, but, like, you know, once bitten, I'm, like, a little nervous, but I, I, hope, I hope he's good. Well, and, and I think you bring up a really good point there, and I... And, um, I promise in our next episode I will have broken down ward by ward, maybe precinct by precinct, to kind of find some of those trends of the essentially Lightfoot Vallis voters. 
because I have a couple theories there. Okay. Right? And they're mostly in the 45th Ward. Um, but what is inspiring to me is that we didn't regress to the mean. Yeah. Right? So, you know, Chicago... And if, if we were going to do it, this would have been the election the, to do Yes, it. absolutely. Right? So, Chicago hasn't had... I mean, I, this is the first time in living memory that two elections, uh, that we'd have two first-time mayors in two elections. Yeah. Right? You had this, the, the Daily Empire, then you had Rom, who was, you know, cut from the same cloth. Yeah. Right? You know, white, moderate, bully. Right? Like, very corporate friendly yeah like yeah Lori you know by definition we were going to have somebody different Lori was a little closer I think a little closer to the ROM model than Than we realized at the time yeah or but then Preckwinkle but we could have looked at that and said like Chicago as a city could have looked at that and said this just doesn't work right like like we're much better off with a machine kind of person yeah. that that could have been the reaction and and to be fair you know again it was closer than the lightfoot election but i think you know i think the people who there were a lot of people who voted for lightfoot who voted for lightfoot because her time as a prosecutor um but all of the scare tactics were were employed yeah like we could have very easily and very understandably gone back to somebody who would feel comfortable like a known quantity Vallis would be a known quantity and we didn't yeah we elected a 47 year old and i personally feel like a failure now because he's mayor and i'm not 47 year old teacher and cook county board member to be the mayor i think that is um that is amazing and outstanding um i don't know how he's going to do um, it's going to be it's yeah. going to be different. It's going to be. I'm looking forward to seeing who he puts in as uh, yeah. uh, head of the police. Yeah, um, that'll be uh, that's going to be one of his sort of, sort of big moves. Um, you know, it's going to be. You know, I I think that like. It's interesting. I feel like we had a choice between the police union and the teachers union. We chose the teachers union, and yeah, I, I think and that's I'm very happy with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Me too. But, yeah, no, I think it's like, you know, I feel like I have some hope from this. Um, and that I feel like if we were going to, like, revert, this would have been the time to do it. And we didn't. Right. And, yeah. you know, and maybe a, a certain amount of it comes down to, like, the machine. The way the machine worked was it was basically you had people who had this patronage system and they had the money. And when the money ran out, the machine broke. Yeah. And and you saw the, you saw the money trying to fly into this. You saw... My God, if signs voted, Ballas wins in a landslide. Yeah. Because you saw all of these landfill real slide. estate owner, business owner, with these giant, giant fucking Ballas signs. And and I what's interesting to me is how fast they disappeared. <laughs> Cause like I mean I found a couple scraps of them, but yeah. like for the most part, like they were gone like the next morning. Like they got to work. And then rip the sign down because they're like, well, that didn't work out. Well, and, and they did that because they're used to Chicago politics would be, if you have a sign up for the other guy, you could get, there could be retribution. Very possible. Well, I think it's just like, you know, they didn't, they weren't, they weren't 
emotionally committed to him. It was yeah. like they felt he was better for their interests, yeah. and it was a yeah, more yeah. logical choice for and, them. And really, the amount of money that was dumped into this race yeah, I, I, for both candidates was tremendous. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the other, the other thing here is that um, whoever became mayor was likely to see a, a, a decrease in crime. Just be just by the natural factors of what's going on, and my real fear was that Vallis would get in, you know, yeah. go with this like like claim that he was you know crack you know like it was all his investment in the police, even though he really didn't have any plan that did much. Honestly, it was like we're gonna get a few retirees back in. Like I don't know how that changes anything, but would probably go with much more aggressive policing tactics that are causing a lot more problems for people, and he would get credit for a crime decrease that he had nothing to do with. Yeah. Um, Just like Lightfoot got blamed for crime going up when it wasn't right. her, her it had fault. Nothing, yeah, like I mean, that's I mean the thing, it like, was her fault that the bridges went up. Yeah, but like, not the crime. you know, ultimately, my take on that is the way you address crime is a long-term investment in communities and 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 building the city up. It's not about after the fact, you know, yeah. police violence. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, like I, I, and I will fully like say that, like, yeah, you need you need policing. Like, I don't. I'm not one to say that you don't, but um, but that's that's after everything else has gone wrong. Like you want to that's treating the symptoms after the fact. Right. That's not dealing with the actual problem. But anyhow, any other grand insights? No, I'm just really excited. I'm I'm really I'm I'm optimistic to see uh, what he does and who he puts in place. I saw some of the transition team. They're known quantities and and seemingly good. Yeah. So that's good. Uh, and summer of 2024. Summer of 2024. What's coming? The DNC will be in Chicago. Can't wait. Yeah, it's a great band. Summer Are they coming to Lollapalooza? Right. Summer 2023, Netroots Nation. Yeah. 24, DNC. Just saying. Just saying. Um, so, yeah. So uh, to wrap things up, I just want to say one last thing to uh, – to, uh, Formal ma- former mayoral candidate Paul Vallis, that, that guy. guy. Well, thank you all. This was our most sweary episode in quite some time, <laughs> even though we're fairly positive and it was a nice day. Yes. So, thank you so much. Stay safe. Take care, everybody. Support your local brewery or support your one 900 miles away. That's right. That's fine, too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Cool whip.